Welcome back to the Chris Gates Fitness Podcast. Thanks so much for joining me. If you're new here, hi, my name's Chris. Uh, I'm an online fitness coach and I put a podcast out every week where we dive into a lot of fun stuff. And if you're not new here and you're a loyal listener, thank you so much for tuning in once again. Some of the stuff we regularly do here on the podcast, lots of deep dives into different aspects of training and nutrition to help you understand how to put a lot of the core concepts together to manage your own fitness goals and uh, make the progress that you want to make. We also do a lot of listener Q&As, and that's actually exactly what this episode is going to be on. I have five listener questions that I'm uh, super excited to dive into, and I'll give you a rundown of what the five questions are here, uh, and then we'll get into answering each one uh, in detail. So question number one, what are the biggest fitness mistakes that I have made in the past? And honestly, uh, each one of these <laughs> mistakes Well, this question could be its own episode. Each one of the mistakes I'm going to tell you about uh, could be its own episode, and who knows, maybe we will, uh, maybe I will do that in the future. Is dive into each one uh, in a bit more depth. But the biggest fitness mistakes I have made—that's one of the the first question we'll dive into. Question number two: uh, suggestions for high protein snacks. We'll dive into some different options and uh, just talk about generally getting enough, getting more protein in your diet. Question number three, if I can't hit 10 reps for an exercise, so saying your program says you should be doing a certain amount of sets for uh, 10 reps of a given exercise, if you can't hit 10 reps for an exercise without stopping, should you decrease the reps or decrease the weight? So we'll talk about just kind of ways that you can uh, strategize and game plan your own program to make sure that you are you know, doing enough to move your training and, and your goals with your body composition in the right direction uh, if you run into some snags like this. Question number four, dumbbells versus machines versus barbells. What's the best for building muscle? Love that question. Uh, and question number five, am I missing any benefit to doing 20 plus rep sets? This is actually something that I shared a few weeks ago on my Instagram account um, and uh, got some people asking about like, holy crap, like 20 plus reps for a set. I've never done that because I think, you know, I talked about how sometimes I will program that for my clients. Um, And so we'll dive into the benefits of doing 20 plus rep sets and talk about maybe why you should consider it uh, here and there with your training. So those are the five questions in this episode. Uh, Real quick, uh, if you haven't done this already and if you can't, leave a five-star rating and review for the podcast even leave a comment about you know what you thought of this episode or what you think of the podcast as a whole i would really appreciate it Uh, apparently that helps i don't really know how it helps but it helps the podcast get in front of more people from what i'm told and that's the goal here is to get uh, this information in front of as many people as it possibly can so Thank you in advance if you could do that. Uh, and I'm a coach, right? I'm an online fitness coach. I work with people all over the world to build muscle, burn fat, develop healthy lifestyle habits. Uh, and if you have a goal and you're looking for a bit of customized, personalized help to you know move you in the right direction, perhaps you have tried and failed uh, you know with this fitness thing a few times before, and you're looking for a program uh, both for your training and your nutrition that makes sense and you know gives you the confidence to know that the things that you're doing are going to work. Uh, well, that's what I do best and that's what I love helping people with. So there will be a link in the description 
uh, of this episode to my coaching page where you can check out more about, um, you know, just how online coaching works. You can check out some client testimonials on my website uh, and just learn about the process. If it sounds good to you and you're interested in applying, shoot me an application and uh, I will follow up with you. We can talk more about your goals. Uh, but with that said, let's dive into the beginning of the Q&A. And again, that question, what are the biggest fitness mistakes uh, that I have made in the past? And like I said, there's a lot of them. Honestly, I think one of the biggest benefits I have or one of the biggest pros on my side uh, as a coach is that you know, I came up, it's so different now than it, than it was when I came up trying to learn all this fitness stuff. Because like, it, you know, I graduated high school in 2005 and that's like right when social media started with Facebook and, and whatnot. Like MySpace was already around. Um, but it wasn't like it is now where you can find thousands upon thousands of people who will give you information about fitness and nutrition. There are websites galore, articles galore on online where you can, you know, deep dive into certain topics. Uh, like th this stuff just wasn't available to people. So, you know, I made a ton of mistakes when I decided I wanted to lift and try and build muscle, try to get stronger. Um, just, I think because of lack of information. Now I was also very hard headed and didn't want to take people's advice, uh, which looking back on, you know, I, I'm, I'm really upset about that. Cause I think there were a lot of times along the way where people were trying to give me advice, uh, and, um, you know, uh, I should have taken it, but, uh, yeah, there's so much more information nowadays that, um, you can avoid a lot of the mistakes that people like me made back in the day. But, you know, as a coach, I'm glad now that I went through those things and made those mistakes because I was able to, you know, really do a lot of wrong things and feel and experience the wrongness, feel and experience how wrong those things were and how frustrating it was and why it didn't work and the lack of progress that I made, like all helped me, I think, relate to people better when they're struggling with their fitness goals or their diet or their training, uh, because I've been there, right? I've been there and I've, I've done, I've made just about every mistake you could make. Uh, so I can relate to you on the mistakes or the struggles that you're having. So, uh, a few of them that came to mind when I got this question, um, you know, just generally, and I just mentioned this, I wanted to build muscle. I wanted to get stronger, but I was afraid to eat. Like there wasn't all of this information readily available about, if it fits your macros, how to track your macros, you know, how to plug in your body composition measurements into a calculator to find out how much food you should be eating. Like that stuff didn't exist. So what I saw in the fitness magazines, cause that's like where you got your information back then was in the fitness magazines was, you know, people focusing on training and then also like eating chicken or salads or, you know, some rice here or there, or like almonds. Like there were like these, these foods that I saw that really famous fitness models or bodybuilders or powerlifters were eating. And I was like, okay, well I can only eat those foods. And you know, at the same time, I knew that if you wanted to look shredded, quote unquote shredded or jacked or whatever, you know, the case may be, um, you needed to cut calories in order to look jacked. And this was also during that time, uh, that, that era. I grew up in the Atkins era where carbs were bad. Um, and that came on the heels of an era where fat was bad. So like I just had all of this terrible information backed up in my brain 
that led me to really only eat like a few foods every single day and dramatically under eat based on what my goal is. Because now we know, now I know, obviously, like if you want to build muscle, you need to be in a calorie surplus. You need to be eating more calories on a daily basis than your body needs so that your body's getting more than enough resources to build muscle, right? It can recover fully and then also build muscle tissue. Obviously, protein's a part of that too. You need to be eating an adequate amount of protein. There was no way to track this stuff other than pen and paper. And in high school and then in college, like I was not going to do that, um, the hard-headedness there. Uh, so I just kind of stuck to these foods and never really saw my progress go in the direction that I wanted to. Again, I think I was wildly under eating and got frustrated because I wasn't, you know, seeing progress. And so I did the whole yo-yo diet thing where, you know, I'd get burnt out on the process, quit, uh, eat all those foods that I had never been eating. And then I'd get frustrated and say, you know, I want to try again, but I would just keep going back to those same bad habits, that same bad information. And I just kind of like perpetually did this yo-yoing. Um, and, and that helps me, I think, relate to a lot of people who yo-yo diet because been there, right? Been there. Uh, luckily now that we have uh, so much more information to help us uh, avoid that. Uh, another one that came to mind was, uh, I remember, so, so, you know, I mentioned like a lot of the information that you could get in the early 2000s on fitness and nutrition was in in magazines. Like that was the main place people got their information. And we didn't know at the time that like a lot of that inf- information was sponsored. So it was paid articles, paid advertisements put into uh, magazines um, that maybe didn't have the best information and they were trying to get you to buy a program or buy a supplement or something like that. But there was like a very small percentage of YouTube at that time uh, that were a couple fitness people, a couple trainers that were just putting videos on the internet. And I happened to catch on with Scott Herman, who's like one of the OGs of uh, YouTube fitness. Um, And, you know, I remember watching one of his videos where he said that like drop sets were the key to building muscle. And he would show these routines where he would do the first set of every exercise, he would do a drop set to like pre-exhaust the muscle. And then because you pre-exhausted the muscle, then you would just do regular straight sets after that. And uh, you would be causing even more damage to the muscle because you had already pre-exhausted it. Um, And it was, you know, like that information might have, I mean, it seemed right at the time. Um, And, uh, you know, research has obviously developed since then as well. So maybe that's Maybe the research pointed in the direction of like, yeah, that being what you should do, whatever the case may be. I heard that drop sets were the best thing for muscle growth. So I like only did drop sets. Uh, I didn't train for strength. I basically just trained for pain and punishment. (laughs) And um, again, that didn't work out very well. And, And since I was also not eating anything, my body was just like not recovering from training at all, which is stupid. Uh, so Yeah. That was a dumb one. That's a big fitness mistake I made. Um, I made this before, or I mentioned this one before, but just like starting and quitting so many times because I didn't see instant progress. And I think that that's something that still is present 
today. I think a lot of people struggle with that because you see so many people who have amazing physiques or who have done like a 30 or 60 or 90 day transformation. And so everybody wants it instantly. And like that goes to the ways we consume everything now too, right? Like social media, you need quick hits of adrenaline, quick hits of dopamine. Um, anything you watch on TV, it's like fast cuts. Everything is moving very quickly. Things have changed so much. People want instant results. Um, and that's a big mistake I made in the past. And, and I started and quit so many times. It actually took me until my late twenties to say like, you know what? I'm like, I'm done doing this. I'm done doing this back and forth thing because I, you know, I got to like 26, 27, 28. And I was like, if I don't ever commit to this, I'm never gonna know what I could do with it. You know, if you just keep doing this stupid yo-yo thing over and over again, you're never gonna know what you could actually achieve if you don't just stop, focus on the basics, and do it consistently day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year for a long period of time. And it was around the age of 27 where I decided like, you know, enough's enough. I'm just going to keep showing up. I'm just going to keep doing this and see what happens. Um, and now I'm 36 and I'm happy that I made that choice. It's been nine years now where I've just continued to show up and I've made a lot of progress. I'm a lot stronger. Um, I've built more muscle. I've probably more importantly than anything, developed such a better relationship with fitness and food and how all this stuff can contribute to and support your health. So um, that's that's a huge one is just the starting and quitting, the yo-yoing. Um, and then the last one that came to mind, I mentioned this a little bit before, but like never listening to anybody because I thought I was the smartest person in the room. And like why in God's name would I think I'm the smartest person in the room while at the same time I'm yo-yoing and burning myself out and quitting and then starting again and then quitting like what an idiot. <laughs> what an idiot. I was making heinous mistakes and uh, still not listening to anybody. And uh, I would think, I remember, like, there were so many times in the gym where somebody would try to, like, come over and help me. And I would be, I would be nice about it. But then, you know, when they would walk away, I'd be like, what a dick. Why would that person come tell me that they don't know what they're talking about? I know what I'm doing. And it's just that perpetuated a lot of the lack of progress that I had for such a, a long period of time. So those are some of the biggest fitness mistakes I've made in the past, at least some of the ones that uh, stuck out to me the most. Um, and uh, yeah, it was a this was an interesting trip down memory lane, and it makes me happy that I am where I am at this point, but mad that I wasted so much time doing stupid things. All right, question number two, any suggestions for high-protein snacks? I do have a few, uh, but but I want to start actually on the non-snack side of things, and I know this is not going to answer the question directly, but I have found with a ton of people that I work with is that if you struggle to get in enough protein, because most people who are asking about, hey, what are good high-protein snacks, they're struggling to get enough protein every day, and they're looking for things to implement into their daily diet to get there. And that's great. But but I have noticed with a lot of people that struggle to get their daily protein in is that they're just not having enough protein in their meals to begin with. And it's weird because a lot of people will have like a little bit of chicken, a little bit of ground beef, a little bit of fish. And if they just added more of that protein source to that meal, their protein would go up dramatically. I see this happen all the time. So first and foremost, 
If you're struggling to get your protein in, look at the main protein sources that you have like in your wheelhouse and just try to add another one to two ounces per meal. If you have three ounces of chicken breast normally and you can bump that up to five, you're going to get another 15 to 20 grams of protein with a snap of a fingers. And that's the same as like a protein bar or a protein shake. So that's a really good place to start. Then I would say like focus on some of the additions that you can add to your diet that can add trace amounts of protein to those meals on top of adding more of that protein source. So things like cheeses, beans, rice, quinoa, there's lots of stuff that you can add to your meals that are nice complements to whatever the protein source is that also come with protein in them. And some of those ones I just mentioned uh, have a decent amount of protein per serving. So, you know, if you get... 30 to 35 grams of protein from a protein source, and then you add some like cheese, beans, cheese, beans, rice, uh, you could add another 10 grams of protein right there. So then you have a 45, 50 gram of protein meal. Um, easy. That's an easy 45 to 50 grams of protein in one meal. So I think that's an important one to, to focus on first. Um, now beyond that, like I'm not a huge snacker and I do encourage people to get more protein from their individual meals. Um, but I think like there are a few that I've found in my wheelhouse and, and other people really enjoy them as well that could work well for you. I think Greek yogurt is an amazing protein source. I think this was one, this one is actually amazing to incorporate later in the day. So Greek yogurt, uh, as a protein source, um, you know, you can get like the little, if it's like Chobani or Oikos or Danon, uh, the, the little cups you can get at the grocery store. One of those cups is going to get you anywhere from 10 to 15 grams per cup, typically. Um, so I like to have two of those in the evenings. I just got these Oikos ones from Costco um, that are a little bit higher in protein and lower in calories than I've found in others. And uh, it's perfect because right now I'm actually in a fat loss phase. So I'm actually able to save a few calories, but add some protein. So I'm getting 30 grams of protein with two cups of Oikos Greek yogurt, and it goes down super easy. It's you know pretty thick, so it, it's relatively filling. Uh, it's a great late night snack, and that protein in Greek yogurt tends to be a little bit slower digesting, which is great to have later in the day because you know if you have that as your late night snack, go to bed after that. Um, that protein, since it's slow digesting, your body's going to be able to utilize that for a bit longer than it could some other protein sources, and that's kind of getting into the weeds, but it's it's you know worth mentioning. So Greek yogurt is a really, really good one. And you can add uh, berries, uh, you can add uh, granola, like there's there's a, a lot of different ways you can um, f- flavor them or, or, you know, spice things up to, to make it really tasty and enjoyable as a snack. Another one is cottage cheese. And it's kind of along the same lines as Greek yogurt, where per serving, you can get like 10, 15, 20 grams of protein without eating all that much food. Now, I'll be completely honest with you, uh, I can't stand the taste or the texture of cottage cheese, so it's never been a snack that I'm a big fan of, but I have worked with a lot of people who like the texture of it, and um, it kind of fits that same mold as Greek yogurt, where it's a good one to have later in the day or really at any point throughout the day as a high-protein high snack to get 15 or 20 grams of protein in pretty easily, uh, fill you up and help tide you over till that next meal where you hopefully get in, uh, like I said, a, a decent amount of protein with your protein source. Uh, the last one I have is just protein bars, to be honest with you. I 
always have protein bars on hand. Like I, I really like the, the one bars. I'll, we'll order those from Amazon and get like a box of them. So I just have 12 in a box sitting in the pantry all the time. And whenever I need one, I don't have one every day or anything like that. Uh, but typically on the weekends, I'll, I'll have them because, you know, Monday through Friday, the eating routine is pretty straightforward and standard and the, the same every day. But on the weekends, our routine changes. So the timing of the meals and the comp- composition of those meals change. So I'll typically have a bar on Saturday and a bar on Sunday at some point to help just get another 20 grams of protein in. And I was actually just talking about uh, this with a client this morning where um, the one thing you need to be mindful of and make sure that you pay attention to is that there are a lot of protein bars out there that have like 15 grams of protein in them. They call themselves a protein bar, but they also have like 400 calories. And it's more like a candy bar that just so happens to have some protein in it than it is actually uh, a, a protein bar. So, you know, a, a general guideline I like to follow is like, if there are less than 25% of the calories coming from protein, then it's not really a protein bar. It's a candy bar. Uh, so you could use that as a, as a guide uh, there for you. But protein bars are a great option. And I suppose, you know, a protein shake as well. I don't necessarily consider shakes as snacks. Uh, and that's more of a personal thing because it's just, it's liquid. It's not food. Uh, so, um, but the, you know, if, if you do like protein shakes as snacks, or if you haven't tried them and you want to try them, sometimes those can be uh, a good option as well. But um, yeah, I you know those are some ones that I really enjoy. I feel like most people enjoy at least one or two of those. Uh, but again, like if you're searching for snacks that have high protein, I really want you to before you get too far down that path, look at your meals, look at how much of the protein sources you're eating in those meals, and maybe just try to add a little bit more protein in those meals before you go on a shopping spree for any type of snacks. Question number three, if I can't hit 10 reps, if I cannot hit 10 reps for an exercise without stopping, should I decrease the reps or decrease the weight? I got this question from a client because uh, if memory serves me correctly, it was an exercise where we're doing three sets of eight to 10, trying to lift relatively heavy in that rep range. And this client was saying like, sometimes I'm trying to get to 10 reps, but I have to stop, you know, put the weight down and then pick it back up so I can complete the set. So he or she asked, if I can't do, if, if I have to stop like that, is this a situation where I should decrease the amount of reps that I end up lifting or decrease the weight so that I can get into that eight to 10 rep range? Um, and yeah, so this is a situation where you're trying to lift heavy, you're trying to get into a specific rep range and you're trying to figure out what to do. And, and really where I want to start with this is any program I create for a client and, and really like if you're working with any coach who suggests otherwise you might want to rethink the coach that you're working with because any rep range that any coach gives you, unless you have a very specific goal for like a sport or something like that, um, it's kind of like a, 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 it's like a concept. It's like a, a, a ra- it's a range. I mean, it's, it's quite simply a range, but it's not gospel. Okay. So you can build muscle with any rep range. Now, if you're training specifically for strength, you are going to have to lift in the lower rep ranges. And that's, you know, more sport specific for like Olympic weightlifting or powerlifting or something like that. But if you're just simply trying to build muscle, burn fat, improve your body composition, you can do that in any rep range. Research shows anything between five 
to 30 reps, you can build muscle, you can change your body composition. It really comes down to the intensity with which you are lifting. So, you know, if you're lifting in the eight to 10 rep range and we're saying, you know, you want to build muscle, if you want to build muscle, you should probably be getting within one to two reps of failure, which means you should probably be legitimately challenging yourself when you're in the gym lifting weights. So, you know, if you're picking up the 50 pound dumbbells for a chest press and you're doing sets of eight to 10 and you're struggling to get to 10 reps or you're struggling to even get to eight reps, that's okay as long as at the end of the set where you call it quits, you are in a position where you're legitimately challenging yourself. And then I think then at the goal, the, at, at the end of that, the, the goal should be whatever your numbers were in the last session, You want to try and improve them the next time you go and do that same workout. So if you can't hit 10 reps, but you get like nine reps and then eight reps and then seven reps, well, then the next time you do that same workout next week, your goal should be to try and get 10 and nine and eight. Like very simple, right? Try to add to the total that you did last week. Um, To be clear, there's nothing inherently wrong with like pausing for a a second or two to get an extra rep in, that's perfectly fine. And that helps ratchet the intensity level up. So that helps you get closer to failure and get, you know, closer to what your body needs to, to force it to continue to adapt and to build muscle. Um, but the rep range is more of like a concept. It's more of something that you can work towards. And it's something that can kind of just help guide you in terms of selecting the weight to lift. So another option could be, you know, if, if, if your rep range is eight to 10 reps and you're, you know, with 50 pounds only getting like seven and then six and six, you know, maybe that is a situation where it would benefit you to drop the weight a little bit so that you can work up into that prescribed rep range. And then once you get really good with that lighter weight in the rep range, then you can look to bump it back up to the fifties and try again. And then maybe at that point you find, okay, I built a little muscle. So doing the fifties now is a lot easier and you can continue to, you know, train with the fifties and, and build muscle and build strength. Um, so it's really just a guide. Like it's, it's a range, it's a guide. Um, and and it's important for a lot of people to know, and we're going to talk about this in another question later when we talk about 20 plus rep sets, but it's important for people to understand that like, there used to be all this information about how like, okay, if you want to build, if you want to build strength, you need to lift in the, the, the four to six rep range. If you want to build muscle, you need to lift in the eight to 12 rep range. If you want to build muscular endurance, you need to lift in the 15 to 20 rep range. And like, there are shreds of truth. Like there are some truths to all of those statements, but there's also a lot of like, Hey, it's not as straightforward as that. Uh, really, your intensity when you lift weights is what's going to guide you the most in terms of getting your body to adapt. Uh, and specifically with building muscle, like getting your body to build muscle tissue. Um, so if you can be anywhere between five and 30 reps, it's really about getting those last few reps to be really close to that failure point. And if you're getting there, you're going to be doing everything that you need to do. And um, you can use those rep ranges as a guide and as a goal to like, hey, if you're not there now, you can try and work your way up into that range with the same weight over time as you continue to hit that same workout each week. And you continue to try and essentially beat the logbook and improve on your performance week to week.
All right, question number four, dumbbells versus machines versus barbells. What is the best for building muscle? Great question. I think a lot of people truly do wonder about this. And um, first and foremost, all of them are great. And you can build muscle with any one of them and also a mixture of them. And I really think like a mixture for most people is what is going to be best. So if you are a straight up beginner and uh, you haven't done any lifting or the lifting that you've done is few and far between, very sparse, you're very inexperienced. I think machines are a great place to get started because when you're in a machine and you know thinking of machines like a chest press machine, a shoulder press machine, a rowing machine, a leg press, those machines are going to put you essentially in the, the best possible position to learn how to do specific movements and motor patterns and build up a foundation of strength to be able to then progress from there. Um, and they're also going to keep you safe, which is really important. You know, for a lot of beginners, we talk about that, you know, lifting close to failure topic. I mean, beginners don't really have to go to failure to build muscle, but, um, you know, when you're lifting with higher intensities, it, it, it can be a benefit to beginners to be in a safe position because sometimes as a beginner, I don't know if you've experienced this. I know I did like you, you your muscle can just stop working. <laughs> Failure can kind of creep up on you out of nowhere sometimes as a beginner. Uh, so when you're in a machine, the weight is not going to come crashing back down on you. Typically, you're grabbing onto a pair of handles. You know, the weight is in a weight stack or, you know, plates on the side. And so that weight is not going to come crashing back down on you like it would if you're doing a barbell bench press or a dumbbell bench press or something like that. So machines are really, really good to help you learn movements, build up a foundation of strength, and do it safely. Uh, and then from there, I think once you do that for three to six months, then maybe you can transition into doing more free weight exercises. And that's where, um, you know, going to dumbbells, learning proper form and technique with those same movement patterns, but doing it with free weights adds a whole new dimension to your training program uh, where like when you're in a fixed plane of motion in a machine, uh, you're not necessarily working all of those stabilizer muscles that you would be or that you will be when you're using dumbbells. So you know, if you're doing a chest press machine and then you go to doing dumbbells on a bench, um, you may find that they feel pretty difficult early on. And that's because, you know, with the chest press machine, you were training your pecs and your shoulders, uh, but, but not a lot else. And now when you're doing it with dumbbells, you're forced to stabilize your core, keep your body stable while also pressing them. So it adds a whole new dimension of challenging your body to the equation. Um, so I think it's a really great progression as a beginner, start with machines, then move to dumbbells. Uh, and when you move to dumbbells, focus on doing things with proper form, proper technique. If you do that, you will make massive amounts of progress in your first six months to a year of lifting. Um, and then, you know, you can move on to, to barbells for specific exercises. And I think like you should have at least probably six months of lifting experience under your belt before you try and do barbell compound exercises. Like that would be my recommendation at a minimum. Um, 
I don't think any true beginner is setting themselves up for success by, you know, immediately trying to do the barbell bench press back squat and uh, deadlift. I don't think that that's going to benefit you very much and it's not necessary at all. Um, But you can, you know, move on to to barbells after you have some of that experience under your belt. Um, It really comes down to, for building muscle, uh, progressive overload and intensity. And in the previous question, I, I, I talked about intensity, like you want to be getting uh, close to failure. You want to, the easiest way to, to describe it is you need to be legitimately challenging yourself in the gym. When you start a set with whatever machine or piece of equipment you're using, your reps should slow down because it's getting so difficult to move the weight. Like that's an easy way to understand it. If, if your first rep and your 10th rep move at the same speed, then you're not there yet. You need to keep doing more reps until it gets legitimately challenging. Um, and then, you know, the concept of progressive overload is just like seeing your workload tick up slowly over time. So that could be, you know, week to week, month to month, um, seeing that you're doing more reps for a given exercise. So with 50 pound dumbbells, if this week you're able to do three sets of eight, Next week, if you can do at least one set of nine with the 50s, that means you're progressively overloading that exercise, you're progressively overloading the muscle, and you're doing what you need to be doing in order to build muscle. Um, So adding more reps is one thing that you can do. You can also add a little bit of weight. So maybe you're doing 50-pound dumbbells for three sets of uh, eight This week, maybe next week, you're able to do three sets of eight with 55-pound dumbbells. That's progressive overload because you're adding weight to the exercise. Uh, And then you could do things like adding sets, and there's a bunch of other ways that you can progressively overload. But those are the main ones um, that really can help you, you know, make sure that from a training standpoint, you're doing what's required to build muscle. If you progressively overload while keeping the intensity high, you're going to build muscle. I mean, there's obviously the nutritional side of things uh, that, that needs to be part of the discussion as well. Um, but uh, yeah, it really does not matter what equipment you use. You can build muscle successfully with any equipment. That progression I walked you through is probably the way that I would recommend you do it if you're starting as a complete beginner. Um, but you know, once you get six to 12 months under your belt, It really comes down to uh, what equipment you feel like you get the most out of when you lift and, um, you know, what, uh, what equipment allows you to progressively overload and lift with a high intensity. Okay, question number five, last one of the episode. Am I missing any benefits to doing 20 plus rep sets? So mentioned this before. Um, you know, I, I recently mentioned about how I I personally do high rep sets and I've uh programmed it for some of my clients recently. Um and, and I think like the the simple and short answer, are, are you missing any benefit to doing 20 plus rep sets is yes. If you've never done them before, I think a lot of people don't go to the 20 plus rep range um, because it's so many damn reps. That's a lot of reps, right? It's hard to maintain your focus and form and technique for that many reps. Um, but, you know, there is some truth to, you know, the novelty of your training. And if you've been doing the same exercises for the same reps and sets, for months and months and years, your body could potentially benefit. You could potentially spark a new wave of gains 
by switching the routine up and switching the the core concept of your training program up a little bit. Um, And so I kind of like to undulate throughout the year, you know, some of the rep ranges and some of the goals with given exercises. So, um, you know, sometimes, uh, what, what are some good ones? So, so some, some exercises that I do 20 plus rep sets, uh, of regularly, um, are, you know, oftentimes with like my lateral raises for the lateral delt or rear delt flies, uh, cable rear delt flies, face pulls, uh, to target those muscles. I'll often do 20 plus rep sets. Um, sometimes I'll do a little bit of bicep work with those, a little bit of tricep work. Uh, I'll do it for leg extensions and leg curls. I'll do it for calf raises. Um, really, I think the only exercises or, or, or types of training where 20 plus rep sets doesn't make sense is a lot of the, you know, compound exercises. So presses, uh, rows, deadlifts, squats, especially when you're loading them heavy, like you, you, there's just so much fatigue that gets built up with those exercises. Uh, and so much energy goes into doing those because multiple muscle groups are involved in the exercise that, Uh, It's hard to stay focused and you're risking injury and it's just not worth it. Um, But for more like isolation work, I think doing 20 plus rep sets is a great idea and I think more people should do it. Your body gets really, really efficient at certain exercises and certain rep ranges the more that you do them. So making little tweaks like that. So if you're doing like a, you know, a lateral raises for 10 to 12 reps um, with, I don't know, 20 pound dumbbells, you could, for a block of training, change it up and you could lower the weight to maybe 10 pound dumbbells, but do sets of 20 to 25. Um, and I think you'll you'll find that like you get a huge pump from doing that because it's brand new. Um, and you you maybe see that muscle group grow a little bit more than it had been before uh, because it's just novel. It's new. It's something your body hasn't had to respond to. Um, you know, there was a lot of like misinformation when people talked about muscle confusion and what you have to do to keep the body guessing and, and continue to build muscle. Um, like I think that got really blown out of proportion, but there is some truth to the fact that like your body, if you're not constantly making little tweaks, to certain exercises, your body will get efficient at it and you will stop seeing your body respond and grow and adapt uh, at the same rate. So it's something to consider. I think most of your work with strength training should be probably done in like the 10 to 20 rep range. Um, and then, you know, you can add a little bit in the five to 10 rep range and a little bit more in the the 20 to 30 rep range. Um, and, uh, that'll give you a nice, well-rounded stimulus for all of your muscle groups. And then again, like the compound exercises should be on the lower end of reps. So five to 10, uh, five to 12, something like that. Um, and then the isolation work can be what you do in the higher rep ranges. So, uh, hopefully that's helpful, but thank you so much for, for joining me for this episode of the podcast. These questions were really fun. I appreciate everybody that submitted questions. And if you ever have one and uh, you'd like to me to answer it on the next episode of the podcast, uh, send it my way. I'm on every social media platform. Uh, so just search for Chris Gates fitness everywhere. Uh, and, and uh, you'll find me there. I'm even on clapper, which is a new thing. Apparently this is the app that's going to replace TikTok because TikTok is going to be banned. Um, I'm everywhere. So just look me up. You'll find me. Uh, you can also find my website, chrisgatesfitness.com and, uh, find ways to connect with me there. And, uh, like I said, if you're interested in coaching, 
check out my website, check out that link in the show notes, and uh, let's talk about what your goals are. But uh, like I said, thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you stopping by and uh, looking forward to doing another episode next week. So until then, have a great day. Talk to you soon.